Listening to the Knicks State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Knicks State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo, joined by Chip Murphy. But we have a, a special announcement here on this episode is we now have a third host. We are adding Danny Small to the crew. So, Danny, we are very excited to have you, Danny. Of course, the Nick Boss and a great writer for Elite Sports NY. So, Danny, we're, we're excited to have you, man. I'm excited to be here, guys. Uh, and I think we got a few things to talk about today. Oh, yeah. We, we can spend some Couple time. Things, yeah. yeah, at least a minute or two. <laughs> uh, of course, free agency, which, by the way, uh, started June 30th and ended at June 30th. I don't quite understand that. It, it went. It was done in like five hours. It seemed everybody was signing besides Kawhi Leonard, but basically all the big names are already. You know where they're gonna go. It was a crazy few hours uh, on the first day, um, but unfortunately for Nick fans, the big plan of you know going back when we traded Porzingis to open up that cap space to put us in position to get a couple of big names. The Knicks opened up two max spots for two big-time players, and all eyes were on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, maybe even Kawhi Leonard. Well, right off the bat of free agency, the Knicks suffer another punch to the gut as it was the news broke that Kyrie Irving was going to Brooklyn and Katie was joining him. Uh, it, it was not a pleasant scene from Nick fans. Uh, Twitter was very entertaining over the last couple of days. And Chip, we'll start with you and your thoughts on before we get into the moves the Knicks made. Let's let's talk about the the big news here that the Knicks struck out again on the two biggest free agents in this this uh, free agent class. Well. Kyrie, we knew we weren't getting, so that wasn't a big a big deal to me. I mean, I think Mark Stein even tweeted out the day before, or Bosch tweeted out the day before that Kyrie expect was expected to sign in Brooklyn, and it was all reported for like a month or weeks leading up that Kyrie was going to be a net. So, I mean, that really wasn't that big of a surprise, and uh, I. But I think. I don't know about every other Nick fan, but I think myself as well as a majority of us still had hopes for Kyrie. So when that Woj tweet came out, Kevin Durant is expected to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. That was crushing. I mean, in that moment, I I actually said out loud, oh, my God, <laughs> he's actually going to the Brooklyn Nets. I I couldn't believe it. Like. And unfortunately, I had my notifications on, so I couldn't uh, fool myself into thinking it was a fake Woj account. But uh, it was just insane. I, 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 I thought if he didn't come to New York, he'd probably stay with the Warriors. But yeah, the Knicks striking out on free agents. I mean, it's not something new. So, but uh, I really thought that they would get Durant because the media had been telling us they'd get Durant the entire season, even though the spin after they didn't get Durant was, Oh, they didn't really have a shot at Durant. He wanted to go to Brooklyn because Kyrie talked him into it. So I I don't know. It's at first I was crushed about it. And then as it went on and I saw their, their plan B, which I guess we'll talk about later actually turned out to pretty be a pretty good strategy the contracts they handed out and the players they brought in i I liked some of them i agree so but you know uh we'll get into that later i don't want to go down that road but yeah i it was uh it was it was tough to take but ultimately i i think uh the future is not as bleak as stephen a smith would like you to believe (laughs) 
Yeah, he's been a little theatrical indeed this week. And, and Danny, now, to get your thoughts, the same kind of thing, what was your reaction? And I agree with you, Chip, In the when, when Kyrie Irving, we, we knew he was going to Brooklyn. I mean, that was months ago that those signs were kind of pointing to Brooklyn. But Kevin Durant was, was the big one. Uh, Danny, what was your reactions and thoughts when, when you heard the news that Durant was also heading to Brooklyn? Well, I don't know if I want to say I was surprised he was going to Brooklyn because, like, for you know, for a while I had been that something I had been saying is you know the Nets have a good shot, the Nets have a good shot. You know, they kind of been building this you know slow and steady. So I wasn't like surprised, but it was definitely a gut punch for the Knicks because that's the guy you know they traded Chris that's Porzingis. They didn't say it in so many words, but Kevin Durant was kind of you know the guy they're looking for, the guy they want to grab. You know, they're you know they're basically their plan A. And, you know, he if he goes to the Clippers or he stays in Golden State, you can kind of live with it. But he's going across town. That makes it hurt that much worse. But what Chip is saying, you know, and he alluded it to it before, that plan B hasn't been so bad. So this isn't, you know, the pylon that the media is having where, oh, the Knicks are still, you know, idiots, this, that, the other thing. Like, yeah, they've made some mistakes. You know, not everything has gone to plan. But they haven't completely, you know, ruined their future or anything like that. So at first, it's just a bad thing for the Knicks. Gut punch, like you said it, for sure. But they can regroup from this. It's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what they do from here. Because they do. They have young, promising talent. You know, all these friendly contracts. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. And, you know, they just kind of kicked the can down the road. I don't think it was the worst free agency that they could have had. Yeah, I think, and we're about to get into the moves they made, and it might not be what a lot of Nick fans wanted. There's still a lot of upset Nick fans and still a lot of pouting going on and you know, just remarks on some of the guys that the Knicks have brought in, but I don't think they paid attention to the kind of deals that were signed. Uh, honestly, there's a lot to actually be optimistic about uh, the way that the management handled this situation. We'll get into that in just a second. And again, and Danny, you're kind of new to this, uh, but anybody that's listened to it, me and Chip are very pessimistic on, on the Knicks and have no problem kind of trashing them when they need to be. But mm-hmm. lately, me and Chip both have kind of been a little optimistic and, and things like what they did, their response to losing some of the big names, I I thought was pretty solid. And we'll get into that in just a second. But you know, going to the, the original question on the thoughts when we see that Kevin Durant was heading to Brooklyn as well. Guys, this was no surprise to me at all. Um, I, I Not for one minute. Even when you heard back in February that uh, Kevin Durant to the Knicks is a done deal, I never bought it. I just never bought into it. Uh, I just feel like anytime there's a big name available, it, they automatically are going to get linked to New York. The media knows that they're going to sell it as this guy is going to go to New York. Why? Because the Nick fans in turn are going to believe him. It becomes all this hype. It doesn't happen. And then the media can do what they have been doing the last couple of days and having segments after segments and basically just trashing the New York Knicks because it's all for the ratings. That's, that's, that's what it is. They, they spike this up, this hype, and they want you to believe that it's actually going to happen and that we're actually going to get a big name. And when it doesn't, then they can do the mocking and it gives them more of a segment, some airtime to fill, and ratings will go up because people enjoy it. And that, that's all that it was. And I kind of already knew that, tried to prepare many as I possibly could, that it's not going to happen. Uh, but there was no shock, and I was fine with that. With that being said, what I kept saying after was, I want to see what this team is going to do once they strike out with these big free agents. Because in the past, what they do is they panic and they sign players to terrible contracts. They give max contracts or, or close to it to players that don't deserve it. Quote, unquote, Tim Hardaway Jr. When they failed with Durant three, four years ago, they threw $17 million at Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, in a, for a year-to-year salary because they panicked and they didn't know what to do and they tried these quick fixes and they just looked stupid. 
They did not do that this year, and that is why I have reason to be optimistic. They knew that we're not going to get the big names, so they went for second-tier players, and these contracts I I thought were great. I don't think we're invested in them long-term. I think everybody has a a team option, and Danny, I'm going to start with you here and share some of your thoughts on some of these guys that Nick's brought in. It's not the names that Nick fans want. But this is the best that we could have done once we struck out from them. What were your thoughts on the, these deals that the Knicks made with the, the free agents they acquired? Well, I think you said it, you know, it's, you know, it's easy to be pessimistic a lot of times with the Knicks. But, I, like, yeah, they missed out. But I don't think this is the time to be pessimistic. This second group of guys, yeah, it's not going to get them a championship. Probably won't even get into the playoffs, but they'll be better than they were last year. The young guys will be able to develop. I mean, you know, you think of a guy like Bobby Portis. That guy can score. I mean, he's not a good defender. We all know that. But let him let him go this year. You know, put the ball in his hands. See what he can do. Team option on him next year. You know, same thing. Reggie Bullock, good shooter. Wayne Ellington, good shooter. Let him play this year. Team option next year. Taj Gibson, veteran, good for the locker room. And then, you know, the bigger one, I guess you could say, even though it's, he obviously wasn't the big fish, but Julius Randle. I mean, he's a really good player. He's a bully. He'll go out there. He's got a high motor. The Knicks fans will love him, you know, and they gave him three years, but that last one isn't fully guaranteed. So, again, you know, we get back to this. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot with, you know, the max contract for DeMarcus Cousins or, you know, a guy like that, you know, that is going to lock them up for a little while. Just kick the can down the road, wait and see what happens later. And, you know, you got a little bit more competitive. Probably not playoffs, probably not anything like that, but they're in a decent spot right here. It's going to be better basketball this year. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's the thing now that everybody's trying to do is figure out if this is a playoff team and and some have, uh, you know, some, I would say, some uh, high expectations from this group that they might want to lower their sights a little bit here from mm-hmm. what I've been seeing on social media. But Chip, you know, same kind of question. Uh, what did you think about the moves that the Knicks made? And, you know, I, I know me and you have talked about this in the past several times. I know I was thrilled to see that they made smart contracts and they did not go out and, as Danny just said, max contract like DeMarcus Cousins because that's a move that they would have done. How encouraging is this uh, that Nick fans should feel that our our management did not do what they have done in the past and have put a, a competitive team out here and taking steps forward to eventually trying to make this team a contender. It's a few years away, but... They didn't handcuff themselves in any way. Yeah, I'm seeing all this noise, all these articles and things on Twitter about how this rebuild is the same old Knicks. And I want like I re- there's this article on the Ringer today that's uh, it said the Knicks continue to eat their own tail. And the crux of the article was the Knicks are rebuilding the same old way. And I commented on the article. I was like, five of the six contracts they they signed are one year deals with the second year non guarantee. Right. Like, how is that anything like the same old Knicks? And the other one is a two year deal. Like Danny said, Randall's year, his third year is uh, non guaranteed. It's like, I don't. These people, the national media just wants to kill the Knicks. But I look. I Danny mentioned uh, all the players that. Uh, a lot of their strengths, I think Bullock's shooting is at Bullock, Ellington, and even I think Porta showed some uh, shooting last year. I think he shot 40% last year. Yeah, almost 40% last year. Shooting really improved. I don't know if he can uh, keep that going, but look, the Knicks were one of the worst three-point shooting uh, teams in the league last year, and I think it's encouraging that the uh, front office address that immediately because there's clearly teams in the NBA who are consistently horrible three-point shooting teams and their front offices just ignore it completely. So I like the fact that the team, uh, that the front office uh, signed that, those kinds of players. But, yeah, I love Julius Randle. I'm interested to see what he can be. I uh, I like the idea years ago when he was a trade candidate of pairing Randle 
with uh, Chris Stapps, but obviously that's not going to happen now. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was a huge, huge debate on Nick's Twitter with Randall and Chris Stapps. But whatever, we're still going to see him. I'm, I'm excited to see him in the Knicks uniform. But uh, yeah, the and Taj Gibson should be cool. I've always liked watching him. He was great on the Bulls. Uh, he's easy to root for, obviously. Alfred Payton, uh, whatever. It's a one-year deal. Right. <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's a point guard who can't shoot. I'm not sure. I'm thrilled about it, but it's a one-year deal. Whatever. And, it, and there's <laughs> no more, no more Moutier because of uh, Payton. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, nothing exactly. against him. There you I go. Just, yeah, uh, there you go. We'll, we'll yeah. see what goes with him. Take right. a shot on him. Maybe Fizz can get something out of him. Exactly. You know, and the thing that I keep seeing with a lot of these fans who are upset because I can't seem to let go of the fact that we didn't land a Kevin Durant and we did not land a, a Quiler. After all these contracts were signed, by the way, fans were still wondering if we had any chance to sign Kawhi Leonard. I don't that I don't understand what they don't understand by cap space, and um, you know you have a certain amount mm-hmm. of money. That money's coming off the board now. No, you don't have a a way to sign uh, Kawhi Leonard. Even if you had the money, he's not coming anyway. Just just you got to get over it. You got to look what else we can do. And you know, overall, here's the thing, guys. You know, as you guys pointed out, these are basically like one year contracts. Randall's the only one that has two years on the contract. Everybody else is, is basically you're, we're trying out, see how it goes. Their money is going to come off the book if it doesn't go very well at the end of the year. And all that money that comes off the, the books becomes available again next year for free agency. So you can try again. Anthony Davis, I, I he's already said I'm not signing an extension. And I'm not claiming he's coming to the Knicks. I'm not saying that he won't sign an extension with the Lakers. The point is he says or his camp has said that he's – Going to try the free agent markets, no matter what, if he gets traded, the money will be available there. Just saying. Here's the thing, and Matt, I'm sorry to cut you Go off. Ahead. I, I forget who said this on Twitter. It might have been uh, John. Um, uh, there's always a superstar who becomes available via trade. Right. He gets upset in his current situation. Kawhi Leonard did it. Anthony Davis did it. Jimmy Butler. There's always a guy. Jimmy Butler. He's there's gonna, always a guy. Jimmy's going to do it again. I'm telling you, he's yeah. going to get upset in Miami. Yeah, exactly. One week, Somebody's he's going to get upset. Get upset. Someone's going to get upset. Maybe it's Brad Beal. Right. Maybe the, maybe the Knicks make a move for Brad Beal. Maybe it's another guy sometime soon. Right. I don't know. But someone's going to get upset. They're going to want out. And maybe Kevin Knox improves this year. They can make a package around him. I don't know. But... Look, if they can't get a free agent, maybe if Dolan's the reason they can't get a free agent, maybe they're going to have to trade for a superstar. I don't know. They right. can work it out. And th- and that's the thing. There There is options, and there's not long-term deals invested here. So we can take that money off the book and try again next year. Probably going to strike out again. Don't get your hopes up, folks. You yeah. gotta, the Knicks have done the right thing for one year. It's it, you don't you don't just fix yourself overnight. It takes some time. The Knicks are in the process of trying to fix themselves. I understand what everybody is saying, which you go into a separate issue when everybody says it doesn't matter what they do when you have James Dolan as the owner. That's a totally different thing. Yes, you know he does make things very difficult, but the guys that are actually running the team have done things smartly over the last year or so. And people think because they have done these things, it was going to fix them in just like one year. That's not the way that it works. Look at Brooklyn that now has their dream team. Yeah, it'll be a year away because Durant's going to not play this year. But the point is, they made the worst trade in NBA history a few years ago. And now they put themselves in a position to be the best team in New York and one of the best teams in the NBA. It did not just happen overnight. It took a few years of doing the right things to set them up in this position. The Knicks did things by giving themselves this kind of cap space, but they still did not have a supporting cast, enough of a supporting cast for free agents to look at it as a desirable situation. They are doing things right, and, and I can't say it enough of how how 
how nice it is to see that this team didn't completely screw it up once they failed with these big free agents. Does that suck? Of course. Would we have loved to have Kevin Durant wearing that 35 in a Nick jersey? Absolutely, in a year. But they did the right things moving forward and kind of wrap this up here. Um, Danny, we'll start with you. Out of all the players that we signed, who are you most look uh, most looking forward to see playing? Um, well, I, I'll say probably I'm most looking forward to Randall because, like, you know, Tripp and I were talking about before, if you had told me that the Knicks would have Randall in 2019-2020, you know, a couple years back, I would have been like, oh, that's great, him and Porzingis. But, you know, obviously that's not happening now. But with the thing with Randall is he's going to be kind of their lead guy this year. You know, he does have that high motor. I mean, he's maybe he's improving his shot a little bit, but he's still, I wouldn't call him a shooter. But I think he's just going to be kind of like an energy, and he might be able to be the guy to kind of like help this Knicks team develop an identity. Because I think in last year, I mean, there was so much going on with the trades and the young players, the rookies. It was tough for the Knicks to, you know, really have an identity under Fizdale. I think maybe with Randall, this kind of like, you know, in-your-face, physical guy, bring some of that mentality that, you know, Fizdale was with at the Heat, you know, that Heat culture, kind of Pat Riley. So I'm excited to see what Randall's going to do this year. Um, And then out of the, I guess, the smaller guys, um, you know, Portis, I'd like to see him off the bench, you know, what he can kind of do as a scorer. All right, and Chip, who's your guy that you're looking forward to see playing? Uh, for me, it's definitely Randall, too. For uh, for the same reason that Daddy just said, I wanted to see him for years with Kristaps. Uh, but, um, yeah, he's just – he was he was interesting to watch last year because – and I didn't bring this up uh, last time we were talking about him. Uh, was he – a good uh, good numbers on a bad team guy last year. I'm not sure about that yet. Like, because there was a knock on him. I think Zach Lowe mentioned it on his podcast. Was he hunting for rebounds, hunting for scoring because he was in a contract year? There's a long history of guys putting up numbers in their contract year. That's what happens. But, um, yeah, I mean, he averaged 21 points and nine rebounds. So, and his three-point percentage went up too, but Look, his, I, I'm still interested to watch him. I'm just not sure if he's a 21-point-per-game scorer. I didn't, but when I wanted to see him with Chris Stapps, I was also thinking, well, he doesn't need to be a 20-point-per-game scorer because he's going to be playing with a superstar in Chris Stapps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm interested to watch him play. I also like the idea of Bobby Portis coming off the bench because he's a stretch big man, the Knicks need a stretch big man they need anyone who can stretch the floor um i like reggie bullock a lot a lot he's fun to watch he's a good defender i think he's and he's a shooter he's a shooter i like i like shooters so and the knicks were a terrible shooting team last year they need the shooting they need reggie bullock they need wayne ellington I'm excited to watch all these guys, except Alfred Payton, pretty much. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. Wow, I- I'm going to shock you guys here. I'm going to shock. There's no question that I'm excited to see Randall. I didn't want any part of Randall for a max contract. They didn't sign him to one. I'm all about Randall. Um, I'm about to shock. I'm actually looking forward to see Alfred Payton. I I, I thought. Really? I know he was one of the better players on a bad team last year, so I know that helps. I understand that. So you look at his numbers, and you can understand a little bit. He can't shoot. But, you know, he was a guy that, for especially towards the end of that season, the last season, you know, there was a few games out there where he was putting up a triple-double. Uh, I, I like tough guards. I, I, do, I wish he can shoot. He can't. That's, that's going to be the most frustrating thing about him. Um, but I like tough guards that can rebound the basketball. And he's a guard that's going to give you double-digit points. He's going to get you a few rebounds a game, a few assists a game. Uh, and I just I want to see if he could, you know, he has a year to show us what he can do. I want to see what he can do. So I thought for the, the signing to bring him in, I felt, like I said, you know, at the end of last year, I felt like he really came on and had a really strong year for what he is. No, he's not nothing to ride home about. He's not like an all-star type player. He's not going to be one. That's not what I'm claiming here. Uh, but I want to see, can he build 
off of what he was able to do because again guys you know there was a stretch of you know a few week stretch where it seemed like he was bringing in uh close to a triple double on several of the nights so i want to see if he can kind of pick up from where he left off when that season ends so that that's somebody i'm going to keep my eye on um i'm also going to hope and pray that bobby portis doesn't punch anybody <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's let's, another one. Let's just hope he doesn't punch anybody and break their jaw. Uh, well, that's why Mirovich went over to right. Uh, yeah, he went to Barcelona because he doesn't want to get punched yeah. no more. Yes. Um, so if Bobby Portis doesn't punch anybody, we're off to a great start. His is a great contract so far. Um, so you know things like that. But it's a good first segment here. The, the, guys, look, uh, tell fans again that are that are upset still about it. You got to look at it. And see what the Knicks did here was the best that they can do once they failed with free agency. Yes, that was the ultimate goal. No, it didn't happen. But they did some smart things here, and you got to give them some credit. Uh, they they did things that they have not done in the past. And Chip, like you said, when people say the same old Knicks, this is this is very different. They have done different things here that uh, they wouldn't have done in years past. But we're going to take a break. We're going to wrap this segment up. We're actually going to have a guest join us here on the other side of the Nick State of Mind podcast. Chip, uh, you you know him and have uh, several conversations. Tell us a little bit about who we're going to have on in the second segment. Yeah, Jonathan Macri from Nick's Film School. He's, I mean, he's one of the best Nick's writers on the Internet. Probably everyone who's listening to this knows him. He's incredible. He's He's one of the best, like I said. So, yeah, he's coming up. All right, so we're going to have John coming up next. Stay right here. We'll be right back with the Nick State of Mind podcast. Hi, everybody. Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Nick State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast or on our Facebook page at the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, we're here with Jonathan Macri from Nick's Film School. John, uh, you're as knowledgeable about this as anyone. Well, I, um, I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, in my opinion, you are. So I've, uh, and, kind. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, you're right up there with Ian Bagley and, of course, the great Frank Isola, in my oh, opinion. Oh, in a class of his own, yes. <laughs> did you, wait, I'm sorry to go off topic, but did you listen to Frank Isola versus Joe Beningo? Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> you know what, I'll just say really quick, I like, Frank, you know, he has a, he has a point. I mean, you, I any, so any criticism of the organization is is fair given what the last 20 years have been i mean you can't you can only put so much lipstick on a pig but i what i was happy about is joe called him out and like look you're dude you're not objective when it comes to talking about the team just admit it i would have i mean i have a lot of respect for frank anyway because you know he's good at his job actually but like just admit that like there's a you know there's a bias there that's and that's why i loved 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 that segment anyway sorry to go off topic there's definitely a bias there because the knicks have banned him they treat him like crap but yeah you're right anyway we'll go back we'll go back to free agency here okay so I read your I read your work and I listened to your podcast that one that you recorded that we were just talking about that you put out immediately after KD's announcement. We were just talking about KD and Kyrie to Brooklyn. Matt said he wasn't very surprised about KD going to Brooklyn. I said I was very surprised <laughs> and it was crushing to me. Your immediate reaction after you saw Woj's tweet, Kevin Durant is expected to commit to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I think like most Knicks fans, my, you know, my stomach kind of drops because it's just like putting aside all of like the basketball stuff and everything. It, it's, it's, you know, the sports fan and all of us, when we root for a team that's especially in a situation like this, where it's, a, I, I don't even want to call it a two team town because it's, if, I mean, and this is not, nothing to disparage the Nets, but it really hasn't even been that. I mean, it's been the Knicks, and then, you know, the Nets kind of moved there a few years ago, and, like, sometimes people go to their games um, occasionally. 
and it's like not even and so for for him to 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 both of them essentially to pick that team putting aside all of the very logical reasons for them to do it it's just like oh my god you know it's like yeah. that said and I said this I think on my pod I think I've written it like I've thought as far back as I don't even know when I guess maybe December January that the Nets were a real viable option and it's just because we like Kevin Durant's whole MO since he became a, a professional basketball player from the Simmons pods to like how he is on social media is like I'm different I, I don't you know I don't care I mean and, which is kind of ironic because of the burner accounts but he's all about like I don't care yeah. what you you know when he went to the Warriors he's like oh I don't care about legacy I want to go play a fun basketball situation this looks like it's going to be so much fun you know and everybody's like, oh, he's going to come to the Knicks because he's, you know, he, he wants to up his legacy and he wants to escape, you know, this this idea of um, he was riding on Steph's coattails and the whole thing. And I know some, some stuff about his relationship with Steph came out in the Beck article, which I think is valid. But, like, why should he care whether New York is going to praise him for being the one who potentially rescues the Knicks? Like, why did we ever think that that was going to matter? To him, and you know what? Even as I say that, maybe it did matter, and the injury really did change as much as some people think it did. But I just, I never thought it was enough to sell him, and I just, he kind of seemed to me like a guy who wanted to be in New York for business reasons. You know, much like LeBron went to LA last year for business reasons. And it's like, okay, well, don't play for the Nets. You could, you know, we could. It's, it's a better team. It's a, it's a team that's more ready to win now. It's a team with a more established coach. It's a team with, you know, a more established general manager, um, despite his uh, former obsession with Alan Crabb. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, well, look, Washington, he's done a phenomenal job, a wonderful job. And Atkinson plays a style of ball that is fit for the game the, the way he's played today and all of those things. So well, I wasn't shocked at all, but it sucked. Yeah, I mean, of course it sucks. It's horrible. You know, John, we were also talking uh, about, you know, when, once the Knicks struck out again, they didn't land a big guy. Usually what we see them do is they panic and they do something incredibly stupid and they go sign a player to a max contract who's not a max contract player. They, they kind of... Like DeMarcus Cousins, they would lock him up if this was a few years ago. We've, we've seen it a few years ago when they panicked and signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to that $17 million per year contract. Uh, you know, when they signed Joakim Noah and things like that, when they were trying for those quick fixes. But, you know, to me and Chip, uh, we, we kind of felt like they smartly, you know, moved the plan B and signed a lot of these guys to good contracts. They never panicked. They knew, okay, now we just go for these second-tier guys. They may not be the guys that fans wanted, but do you agree with us that the way they approached it, moving on to plan B, was actually very smart, and these deals that they signed are actually not bad deals. They got second-tier guys that make the team more competitive, and... They just they didn't get locked up into anything big and long term. Yeah, so I have a couple a couple thoughts on that. The first thing before I even get to the deals that they signed, um, there was an opportunity. St- and, and like we all joked about, like the, the Boogie Cousins max contract that would happen if if oh. KD and Kyrie didn't come. Like I don't even I don't even think for them that was that was ever like even the old Knicks. I don't know if they would have done that. Although. I don't know. As I say that, I, I have my doubts. But like the opportunity to win the back page, or maybe not win the back page, but to to save face in a way that would have been—I um, don't know if I want to use the word legitimate—but it would have been a real face-saving move. Would be to go and offer um, D'Angelo Russell uh, a full max, because then you could bill it as. Where we're signing, you know, we're basically getting the young version of the guy that just went to Brooklyn and the guy without the injury issues and without the character concerns, the locker room stuff. And, um, and he fits with our young core and like the whole thing. That would have been so easy to do. And 
there were some people out there who wanted them to do it. And I think Russell actually would have stayed. Or, or sorry, not stayed. I think he would have he would have come because the, the you know the word is that he he wanted to um, be like being in New York. And the fact that they didn't do that, put aside whether or not it was the it would have been the correct basketball season, which I personally argued against Russell because I'm like, why are you? Are you going to pay a guy $30 million now when two years ago he was not the same player, different types of players, but in the same career situation as Dennis Petunia? Why not see what you have, <laughs> you know, in the point guard that's already on the roster that's making, you know, $5 million a year um, for the next two years instead of going and paying and doing the quick fix, right? And then essentially losing an asset in the process because they would have ended up dumping Smith for God knows what. Um, and not to mention Russell's flaws in his game. But anyway... That was there. Like, that that option, I believe, was on the table. And the fact that they didn't do it tells me that they legitimately do not care about winning the back page anymore. At least this regime doesn't. Maybe Dolan still does. Um, but the regime doesn't. So that's the first thing. And then in terms of the actual signings, the, the two points I would make about those are, one, um, that I – and, you know, it's not a coincidence that we're seeing all these deals being signed – there are very, very, very few um, deals that have a team option, and, and honestly, off the top of my head, I don't. I, I'm I'm trying to think of a deal other than the ones that the Knicks have signed um, that includes a team option for the second year or, or even the third year. In Randall's case, and I, I think people underestimate the value of those contracts in the NBA. I mean, we saw, and granted, George Hill, you could argue, is maybe a better player than anybody the Knicks got. But we saw George Hill got traded for a first-round pick to Milwaukee, and they did that deal at the time. And Hill ended up playing a really nice role for them in the playoffs. And I, I think he's going back there now. I, I think, you know, that was a salary dump move. They, they wanted to make sure that they were under a certain amount of salary for, for next year. And sure enough, they ended up non-guaranteed his, the year that he was supposed to have last year or next year and resigned him to a different contract. But, like, that netted a first-round pick. I'm very curious to see what J.R. Smith's contract, which then will that guarantee date to, I want to say, five days from now, what that nets, because that's going to be a nice little asset for some team that needs to um, save money. Again, it's another one where it's, I think, 3 or $4 million guaranteed money next year. So, the com- just to finish the thought, the commonality of, of, of um, every year in the NBA is teams are always looking to dump salary. Teams are always looking to make money. Now, everybody's critical of the Knicks right now because they didn't do the immediate salary dump move, like, you know, to get uh, in on that Miami trade with the Clippers or even to do Iggy, even though that would have been ugly given his recent comments. But these types of contracts that they signed are, like, the chance that they turn into valuable trade chips in not too distant future is very significant because teams are always looking to unload money that they, they don't want. And then, just to finish the, the main point, which is that, hey, they got players who I think not only are these guys like pros and like good vets, good locker room guys, all that stuff, but if you look at each of the, the players that they got, they fill a very specific role, I believe, for what the Knicks are trying to do. Because when you look at the team, I'm like, well, what did they need? They needed shooting. So they got they went out and got, I don't know, two of the best four or five shooters on the entire market in Ellington and um, and Bullock, but the real thing they needed, and, and it's funny to me that everybody's killing the Portis deal, right? But how many stretch four, like four slash fives can like are shooting forty percent from deep? Like that's especially in this market. Um, like there were not a lot of those types of players on this particular market, and I know he's been a dumpster fire on defense. Does not have a very high basketball IQ, but then you know, okay, that's on fifth to figure out what lineups to use him in. You send him alongside Taj or, or Mitch to cover up for some of his defensive flaws. But like his shooting from the perimeter, I believe they specifically targeted him for that reason to try to open up space for all of these guys that are already on the roster, young guys. So what do we keep hearing about R.J. Barrett? What do we keep hearing about Dennis Petunia? What do we keep hearing even about Kevin Knox? They're, they need room to operate. They need space. And you have to put other um, like shooters on the floor around these guys to give them a chance to grow into the type of players that the Knicks need them to become. So then how do you do that? You saw it out Portis. And then, you know, you need a backup point guard in case Smith doesn't work out. So 
as Peyton. And then I think Randall, uh, college, obviously, for the kind of that, 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 that's a role, local guy. And then Randall, I think, speaks for himself. I mean, the guy with an all-star ceiling. So, yeah, I mean, did you get on him for not doing an immediate salary dump trade and getting a pick? Sure. Uh, would I like them to do that? Maybe, yeah. Um, but I, I'm... I just can't get over it. This is so anti-Knicks. This is not the thing the Knicks ever would have done. And they did it now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the most. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I don't know if you saw the, the latest article that the Ringer just wrote. I know it's surprising Bill Simmons' site was very <laughs> critical of the Knicks. But they know, wrote, he's like my email idol. He's, in my opinion, the greatest, or at least one of the greatest basketball writers ever. But, okay, he, say, he set the standard of like writing, forget basketball, just writing about sports and cross yeah, he's and pop culture and and he, you know, he kind of changed the game. So yeah, I don't really next thing I him, but I, you know, the guy can't deny what he did. But yes, I, I did read the article you were talking about. Yeah, and, and that was the the crux of the piece was like the Knicks are doing the same old thing, and I was like, five out of their six contracts are non guaranteed for the second year. But it's just like well, same same old Knicks. Like, what are you talking about? The funniest part of that article is that the guy wrote, and I don't mean to disparage the writer, I mean, it, it was very yeah, cool I, article. I don't know. Yeah, it was, no, it was great. I mean, no, it was everything really, everything it, they do is great. I mean. Yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. And I, I, I don't, you know, he, like, anyone who wants to make a point today, or whatever, next week or next month or next year, until they, until they win, if anyone wants to make a point that the team it's basically always going to be, you know, doomed because Dolan is Dolan, and he he just can't get out of his own way. And even if he's not meddling in basketball, you know, like the leak about the Durant injury, like stuff like that, like you know, the yeah. fans stuff, the media stuff. Like if you want to write that article and be like, the Knicks are never going to win under Dolan because he's not going to let them one way or another. I would I respect that. I I personally don't think you know. I mean, Dan Gilbert won, you know, a, a championship. If, if that guy could do it, um, you know, literally anyone can. So at least, again, I'll respect that article. And I think the tenor of the article you're talking about was kind of more that, even though the writer tried to make it about basketball. But where he fell short is he wrote in the piece, he's like, the Knicks could have done it like the, uh, I think he used the, the term the Nets or the Raptors, and built it slow through um, draft picks and savvy trades. Well, <laughs> guess, guess what I just did? Signed a bunch of guys who are the exact types of contracts and players, mind you, because what do we always need? Um, or what do contenders always need around the deadline? Shooting. Like, in this league, more than ever, you need shooters. So they signed contracts, uh, players to contracts that are going to be trade assets. And then you talk about um, and building through the draft. Like, that's what they're doing for the first time. They have all these kids on the roster. They have, that's my daughter saying hi. She's very happy that I'm doing <laughs> um, They have all these kids, and they have, you know, they're going to have another probably happy pick next year. They have the Dallas pick coming up. Like, if we've learned anything in the NBA um, from, the, from us last year, from the Suns, you know, for years on end, from the Kings for years on end, it's that you can't just put a bunch of kids out there and hope that it turns out well. You need to have some kind of stability around those kids. So, I, I mean, I'd love to get the guy on the pod and just ask him, like, okay, well, other than doing the, the salary dump trade that everybody is, is you know, all the hand-wringing is about, like, other than that, right, what what exactly did you want them to do? Because I, I, I genuinely don't know the answer. Um, but, I mean, you know, did he want them, I don't know, did he want them to tank again? Like, I, everybody got on them for tanking this year. And was like, hey, you tanked. That's why you didn't get Kevin Durant to Tyron Irving. Okay, well, so what's the answer? I don't, I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know. And, like, that's why, to me, it almost, like, it, I hate to get back to this because it's, it's, it's overused as a point from Knicks fans, but like sometimes the whole media bias angle, like 
it's real. Like, yeah. the, like the fact that everybody's getting on, I'm like, do you know how many other teams with cap space could have made like these particular trades and could have used draft picks um, that did have nearly as many young young players on the roster? Dallas? Like, what has yeah. Dallas done? <laughs> they're, they're, they're sitting there with all those cap space. And, you know, they just signed Cleaver to a, a four-year deal. And granted, that's a, that's a decent deal. But, like, hey, even, like, look at Sean Marks. What did Marks go out and do, um, you know, pretty... I guess he made some of those trades for picks. Do you know why he made those trades for picks? Because the guy that had the job before him traded all the picks away. So he needed to restock the cupboard. But do you know what else he did? He went and tried to get Alan Crabb on a mammoth deal and Tyler Johnson on a mammoth deal. And then after he couldn't get uh, Crabb, he ended up trading for him anyway. And why did he do that? Because he knows... You can't just put a bunch of kids on the floor at the same time and expect things to work out. Well, you have to have, you know, veterans around them. Are people mad that, like, the Knicks didn't sign veterans to cheaper deals? Well, you know what? Guess what? Then you don't get the benefit of having a team option, which is the whole part of the, the value of these signings. And actually, truth be told, and I'm going to write about this a little bit tomorrow, when you have a team option... It's better than it's for a lot of money because if you're right. using that contract in a, in a salary dump situation for another team down the line, it's because that other team wants to get off like more money. Um, you know, aside from the fact that players aren't going to sign team auction deals unless you know it's obviously an overpay. So I feel like it, it just it, it kills me because this is like logical stuff that I'm saying. And because people have platforms that that others read um, in mass, it's like, I'm going to make this stupid point that's not well thought out because I'm going to say it cleverly. Um, people will believe me and, and think that it's the right point. And it's it's stupid. Um, so, sorry. I, I, I'll try not to go on that much of a rant for the rest of this, this podcast. But No, I completely, I completely agree with you. It gets frustrating. So, yeah. I mean, Stephen A. Smith was driving the bus mere moments after Kevin Durant. He's a cartoon character, though. Yeah, yeah. That's what I try. That's what I try and tell people. Like, why are you taking him seriously? This is his job. He he gets paid millions of dollars a year to do this. Exactly. Exactly. Now, John, final question here for you. Something that I've seen a lot on social media with Knicks fans trying to figure out now. And it's so hard to tell and predict these things, obviously, at this point of the season. But, you know, you see expectations from Knicks fans, and some think that that what they've done made them a playoff team. I'm out on the outside of that. I don't think this is necessarily a playoff team. But if you could kind of look based off the move they have, the roster they have, what what expectations do you have for the Knicks this season with this roster? Um, boy, it's, it's a great question. It's one that I guess people are starting to ask. Um, you know, as they should. Um, right. I, let me let me first say that. Is there a way that this season could, could go really badly? Yeah, um, there is. And the way it could go badly is if Fisdale, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Fisdale. I was a supporter of his throughout last year um, at times when you know he was catching a lot of grief um, from from the fan base. He, he has his work cut out for him because he doesn't have, like there's, there's not a complete player on this roster. Um, like, you know, even you look at a guy like Dotson, like terrible off-goal defense, which, you know, matters in today's NBA when you face teams that, like, run and move a lot. Um, you know, Taj Gibson, <laughs> Taj Gibson might be their most complete player. Um, <laughs> it's true because I, I know he doesn't space the floor, but just in terms of, like, knowing where to be and what to do on both ends of the floor, I mean, like, seriously. Um you know, and like the whole reason they made these moves is is to try to light a fire under the ass of the of the young kids and like create this competitive environment. And I did that. I'm all for it. It doesn't mean it's gonna work. Like, you know, I wrote today, you know, what happens if, if Reggie Bullock comes into camp and outplays um Kevin Knox or um Trey Wayne Ellington comes in and like blows Damian Dotson off the court. Like, you know. 
they're going to give time to the guys that deserve it. So then it's, it could be a situation where you're not playing your kids as much as, as you'd like. Or, um, you know, for whatever reason, the, the, the puzzle pieces don't match. It's like, you should have to figure out what, like, yes, they have shooters now. Yes, they have defenders now. But, like, for, like it's to get the right pieces on the floor at the same time is going to be a real challenge. Um, is he up for it? I, I hope he is. I think he is. Um, so, I'm, I guess I'm less worried on that end. And, and I would just say, I guess, I think Nas is going to take a leap. Um, a significant leap. And I think actually Mitch is probably going to take a smaller leap because he kind of took a big leap last year. I think this season, though, will come down to Dennis Smith Jr. In terms of, I I legitimately could see a scenario where they won 20, you know, in the low 20s. And I could see a scenario where they push like 40 wins. Now, I could be back there in um, April on that. That possibility could be an absolute laughing stock in retrospect. But I think the reason it would be a laughing stock is if Smith um, does not come into the year you know, kind of taking, he doesn't need to make a huge leap, but he needs to step up and, like, learn how to properly run an NBA offense. And I, I guess if you ask me right now to make, to make a, a, a guess at how many wins they would have, um, oh, God, I wish I wish Julius Randle was a little bit of a better defender because I want to say, like, 35 wins, 33, 35 wins. I really do want to say that. But they just, you know, their starting lineup is going to be short on spacing and it's going to be short on defense. Right. Um, so, um, give me 33. Give me Patrick Dewey's number, 33. 33. <laughs> All right. That's, I think um, a 30 win season. I, hey, yeah, yeah, they get it out of that. Yeah. No, it's like, that's 30. Oh, exactly. 30. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, again, it's, this season isn't this isn't a playoffs or bus season by any means. This is this is a these kids not only need to show like progress in terms of individual abilities, but like Kevin Knox needs to show that he's a player that can do things or maybe I should rephrase that. That doesn't that a player that doesn't do things that prevent his team from winning. Like that's those are the things that that we need to see this year. So, I, I, I again, I don't really care what the number is, but I think like players, the different players on the team will like. I think Knox can have a, a great progressive year. Mitch, RJ, um, you know, Dotson, Frank, guy, if he's still here, I hope he is. But like, if you're if the if the win total is low, I think I don't think there's any way. That the, the win total is low, and like Dennis Smith Jr. like hasn't had a bad year, so I'm I'm hopeful. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna come down to him. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, we appreciate your insight. Again, I know you, you had your own podcast, a lot of articles being written by you. Uh, so we really do appreciate you taking the time and joining us for our show. Dude, I, I appreciate it. Like I said before, we started recording like I, I don't rant like this on my show because who the hell wants you know who the hell wants to say that but so yeah to come on here and get the to get the blow off some steam it's uh it's uh it's a pleasure but uh yeah no, thank you guys very much and um you know we'll we'll uh, we'll get started and see how this starts to look in, in Vegas in uh, a couple of days right that's right that's right we'll yeah get- We appreciate it again, and that's all the time we have for the Nick State of Mind podcast. We'll be back back next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.